the story's a gift. Yep. And if you think of it that way, oh, I'm giving someone a gift. Well, that changes how you approach your job, right? If you're doing it for attention, you make different choices. If you're doing it yep. for money, you make different choices. But if you think of it as a gift, that's another way to be in service to your audience and in service to the story. Hello, and welcome to You Are a Storyteller. In this episode, Brian and Jesse discuss why stories that work follow a circular rhythm. Just like the seasons or circle of life, the best stories follow a natural loop, fulfilling humans' inherent desire for closure. This program is produced in Seattle, Washington by Belief Agency. I think I told you this story, but I was talking to my counselor when we were talking about anxiety. And she's great because she will give me all the like background on how the body works, right? Like she starts explaining the dorsal vagus system and how your nervous system works and all this stuff. And she said, you know, some of the anxiety you might have is because almost think about it like switches, like on an old like console where it's like you're clicking switches on. She's like, your body might think that it's in fight, flight or freeze. And until you tell it that you did those things, your body is going to keep you at that heightened state until you say, I did that. I froze. I fought. I ran. Right. Right. Um, She's like, because our bodies, our systems, it's just as humans, we don't do good with, with unresolved loops. And I was like, that's super interesting. And so she's like, she gave me all these really handy things. She's like, if you're feeling anxious and you feel like running, she's like, literally go to the stairwell somewhere by yourself and just run in place. And she's like, and you might find that it will actually literally make you feel less anxious because you're telling your nervous system, your nervous system thinks there's a tiger and you just told it, I ran away. Now I can go, cool. I'm going to go ahead and turn off that switch that's saying you got to run, right? Mm -hmm. And then, um, and fight, she's like, find a wall and push on as hard as you can. Like you're trying to push it over. All of a sudden you're telling your nervous system, I fought, right? Free. She's like, get in really tight, yada, yada. Um, But that idea, she said, we're like, you know, humans don't do well with, uh, open loops. Right. Um, and it kind of got me thinking a lot about this and I ended up texting you and I said, I said, do are most stories circular because humans need closure? Um, stories tend to be circular when they work, you know, they, they, they start at a place and end up back at that place, but these things are different somehow, you know, you're at the Shire, you come back to the Shire, right? Things are different somehow. They, they, it's a closed loop. And um, when I thought, I thought about this before, about the circular nature of stories. And what I, what I came to the conclusion of, of is that so many things in nature are circular. It makes sense, right? That uh, the seasons are a circle, right? The cycle of life, right? That's a circle, of, 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 you know, uh, the, uh, the orbit of the earth, um, you know, the earth orbiting the sun, uh, the solar system has a circle. We have a circulatory system, right? So circles make sense in nature. Nature likes circles or a loop anyway. What, what I loved about it too is that you, A, number one, I mean, these are the crazy text messages that I get, right? Because I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, Brian. Like, cause you were just responded immediately. You're, you were like, what isn't circular? And I was like, it's just so nice. Oftentimes you'll get story people and they'll say things like stories needs conflict, but they never tell us why. Mm-hmm. They'll just say, it seems like stories need conflict. 
if you don't have a baseline deep understanding of like the thing behind the thing, it's really hard. You just start to end up operating at a surface level, right? But because right. you don't understand, you go like, oh, that that seems like a tool that's good for hitting nails, but you don't understand why a hammer was designed that way for what purpose. Once you understand that, you'll know how to use a hammer better, right? One of the things that happens, if you just say to people, um, stories need conflict, what you get from people who are contrarians is, well, maybe I don't want to do that because mm. there's no why behind it. Why do I have to do it that way? I want to do it another way. That'll make me yeah. my stuff better, right? Because everybody does that. I don't want the conflict, right? So if you don't know the why, it seems easy to make that change. And, and I mean, literally, I was, I was listening to a, a, a person talking about a story and they said, stories have to have an enemy. And I was like, that's not true. <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah. If stories exist in parts of survival information, it means there needs to be some conflict because life is conflict. Right. And we have to learn how to survive it. Now I know why we need conflict. But he was saying it like you always need to have an enemy. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. You're only operating at surface level. You don't know the why behind the thing. So when when you say things like, well, I mean, for, I mean, I don't know how long I've heard things like, well, stories are circular, but I've never one time had somebody explain why. Mm -hmm. They're just like, well, you know, a lot of times you start in a place and it seems like a lot of stories, the pattern is little, like it might sound little, but at least for me, when it's like, you're like your circulatory system, the universe is circular, our seasons are circular, our lives are circular. You start to go like, now there's a logic that helps me understand the, like the deeper rooted thing as a species, as a, you know, as people on a rock that's flying around a universe, right? right? You start to go, okay, cool. Now I have a logical framework to start to understand why, you know, it seems like stories that are circular work better, mm -hmm. right? Because I would watch a guy like uh, David Lean. And I mean, every time that guy, like he opens and closes, watch how he opens and closes, right? Bridge over the river, quite watch out opens and closes. Like if you watch how he does his stuff, it is a circle, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy. And he's so surgical with that stuff. But that little line helped me give context, right? Mm -hmm. So in general, when we're talking about uh, uh, the circle side of it. Can you explain and kind of give some texture to, to why it's important to at least be aware for folks that maybe aren't aware that stories were circular or, or why? Uh, for instance, we did, you and I did this thing and we can't talk about who for, I know, but like, the film opened on a mountain and it closed on a mountain. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and the person said from this organization said, why do you have a mountain at the beginning and a mountain at the end? Right. right? And yeah. I think you and I wanted to like jump out the window, <laughs> but, but can you ex explain why, what you said to that person when they said, why does it open and close on a mountain? I, well, it was, uh, it was, it was about, um, how, um, Climbing the mountain challenged someone and changed them. Yep. And so what I said is in the beginning, when we see the mountain, it's a mountain. In yeah. the end, when we see the mountain, it's a metaphor. That's right. <laughs> like now it's a standing. different mountain. The mountain yeah. is different. Yeah. Like the yeah. Shire's different when Frodo comes back or Bilbo right. or whatever, right? You're like, it doesn't even look the same. I mean, it looks the same, but it doesn't. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's it's. Um, so it was one of those things. Where it's like, oh, you clearly don't understand. You know, they thought they were making a salient point. Well, it starts. It's yeah. too repetitive. It's like, 
it, you know, it's not repetitive. Yeah. It's not repetitive. Yeah. It's not the same thing anymore. Yep. You That's know? right. Now it carries the emotional weight that the story gave, you know, the, the mountain becomes a charged object. We've talked about charged objects a little bit, but if, if yeah. people don't know, a charged object is an object in a story that you might imbue with emotion that, um, and, a, and, a, and a thing can be positively charged or negatively charged. Yeah. Right. So, um, um, and it can be the same object, by the way, in a story that sometimes is negatively charged and sometimes positively charged. Um, but um, trying to think of a really good example of one. Well, in Seabiscuit, there's a great one because in Seabiscuit, um, a guy uh, has this young son and he has this little game that he plays. It's like a little, you know, piece of metal, like a ball bearing that he tries to get in the holes of that. You know, it's just a little game. And his son that dies in this accident and he has this game with him when he dies. And so after that, you see the father, you know, throughout the story with this little game when he's thinking. Yeah, he's, it's so smart. Yeah. It's and so, so it becomes a charged object. You know where his mind is when he has that object and it is imbued with an emotion. Um, but you can do that with all kinds of it's very it's a very powerful tool, a charged yep. object. Um and so what happens is that mountain becomes a, it doesn't have to, it can be a location. It can be whatever yeah, location. Sure. Can be oh, that's the Dairy Queen he went to with his, his, his mom at the beginning of the movie. And now she's dead. And he right. put flowers on her grave and went to that Dairy Queen. It's like, it doesn't have, if you understand it as a principle though, you could use it in a million different ways. Right. 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 Um, and it's almost, it works the same way. Almost that an in joke works. Right. Yeah. Um, we unpack that. Well, like if you're with your friends and you're like, oh, remember that time when the guy did the thing? And, then, you know, yep. you're not there. So, you know, like, oh, I guess I don't know. It's like, oh, but he said, I want the hamburgers. And you're like, what? It's like, well, you had to be <laughs> yeah. there because uh, uh-huh. there's all this stuff and becomes an in joke. And you can just say I yeah. want the hamburgers at any moment and crack up the people who are there. Yeah. One of the things a charged object can do is become a kind of in joke. So let's say the mother and the guy are at the Dairy Queen in the beginning of the piece. And then the mom dies and he goes back. Your brain, I think, is kicking into that same thing where you go, I remember that. That's right. Yeah. It becomes a memory for you. Oh, I remember yep. that. I think it taps into the same thing as if it happened in real life. And so, yep. so the, the dairy, like if his mom always got a crazy thing, like my friend Stuart, uh, when he was dying, like Stuart used to get, that's uh, from Starbucks, a very particular drink like three pumps of this and that many pumps of caramel and blah, 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 and a half a thing of mint. And it was this crazy concoction. I wish I could remember what it was. <laughs> and uh, if you would go to Starbucks for him and you started to order, they go, is this for Stuart? And they, <laughs> they knew what it was. Um, but, you know, if I went and ordered one of those drinks now and had it, even if it was a crazy concoction that I would never drink it in real life, um, it's charged. Right. Yeah. And so uh, it becomes more than a drink, right? So you can do the same thing with the Dairy Queen thing. You, you right? Your Dairy Queen, yep. example, right? Oh, my mom ordered this crazy thing. I couldn't understand how she could even eat that thing. Now, yep. after the funeral, cut to the guy eating that thing. Yep. And now it's a tear. You don't have to say anything. You got it. Yeah. So, so the mountain was a charged object, but yep. they didn't understand the concept. And didn't bother to ask us whether we understood the concept. <laughs> so and, 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 but imagine if we ended that film 
not at the mountain. Yeah. Imagine if we tried to do the Dairy Queen thing, but instead of a Dairy Queen, you just see him at his house and he puts ice cream in a bowl and sits there and eats it. And you're like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. It only matters if it's circular. Right. Without the good news, the bad news makes no sense. Without the bad news, the good news makes no sense, which means there has to be, it's the yin yang, right? It's right. like, okay, you see them defeated. That's why it matters when Rocky gets back up or mm-hmm. whatever. Like right. the circle is what is where the payoff is. Right. Right. And so maybe somebody's sitting there working on a project right now. And if, and they're, and if they weren't aware of this, they can go, Oh, I got to go. What is it? What would it, uh, even just as a thought exercise, your character, your character of change, what would it look like to go back to the beginning? Just what would that look like? What would that mean? Right. It's at least something worth thinking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So yeah, circles can be, they're really powerful things. Um, you know, they, and they can do a lot of work for you that you don't have to do. Again, all you have to do is have the scene. And that's the kind of scene that's hard for people to write who don't know exactly what they're doing, right? Because you don't have to write anything sad at the Dairy Queen, right? Yeah. He just has to sit there and eat that concoction that his mom liked. That's yeah. all that has to happen. Um. And it has so much emotion. You don't have to help it along or make it sad or play sad music or you don't have to do any of that stuff. People yeah. will bring all that to it if you've set it up properly. The interesting thing about charged objects too is that they are more charged the less intrinsic value they have. So you could charge a, you know, a brick of gold, but that's, yeah. it has this other value, right? Um, and we all have charged objects, right? We all have things we have for sentimental value, right? I have my mm-hmm. father's watch, right? Uh, we all have those things um, all around our house. You know, oh, this, this is, the, you know, and it, sentimental value is value. And a charged object has a kind of sentimental value. Um, again, it could be, things can be negative. I, I, think, I think it's the most valuable thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Here's how I know that there's a fire in your house. Do you grab an expensive print that maybe you bought as an investment? Or do you grab that drawing of your little girl? You know, that one drawing you have when you're your little girl before she died. Right. Right. It's like, what are you going to get? Are you going to get the painting worth 20 grand? Or are you going to get this thing that's seemingly worthless that you would die for? Right. Right. Well, it's that I, I think I've told this story on, on the show before about a story I heard a guy tell about uh, he's a I forget his name, but he's a guy who teaches teachers how to teach. I think I've talked about him before. And he um, he had a baseball that was signed by, you know, all the coolest people who could sign a baseball. And, and uh, um, he had this baseball. It was his prized possession that he had this baseball. And he came home one day and uh it was, it had been cleaned, washed clean. And his little son, I don't know how old he was, but young said to him, daddy, I cleaned your baseball because I know how much you love it. That baseball has now increased in value for them. Yeah. So he erased all the fancy signatures. Yeah. Cause it had Babe Ruth or whoever on it. Yeah. Right. But here's the thing. It, your story's circular. So if we were to shoot that, you probably see a baseball in a case Mickey Mantle, Babe yeah. Ruth, whatever. Yeah. 
it's on his desk and it's in a case, right? Or maybe it's not. It's just on a holder or something. Yeah. And then, you know, the son, he's like, hey, this is my special baseball, whatever. Then you see the kid wash it, all that stuff, clean it, put it on the desk. Dad sees it. By the end, now you see it back on the dad's desk and then it's cleaned. And now it's not about the, the baseball players. It represents the love of his son. Even that, you have to come back to the baseball at the end. Otherwise, yeah. it won't work. The only reason charged objects will work is because you've come back around. Right. Yeah. It, it, sometimes it's a line. Or a look, yeah, or something like that too. Um, oh, that's when they said, "I want the hamburgers." <laughs> right? You know, you well, know? There, what's the what's the David Lean one where the where it's him and his daughter and they have a shoe shop? It's the uh, they have uh, McKay, his and his daughters. It's something in his daughters. Oh, uh, uh, Ryan's is it Ryan's daughter? It was McCain and his daughters, or Maholland and his daughters, something like that. Okay. Anyways, literally watch the opener of that movie. Right. The old man's coming home drunk. Right. It's a dolly shot. Old man's coming home drunk and it ends on a shoe sign and he like goes into his house. And you're like, OK, there's an old guy in this. And it's so late. You're like, he must own this. He must be a cobbler. Right. Match shot. Very end. Last shot. We see the sign. But only now, instead of him coming home drunk, he's walking down the street with his daughter and his new kind of son in law. And they're walking to get paper signed. And like literally they've turned the entire the whole story is not only has like flipped his life. But now we see for the better. And it's he's matching the shots. Think about the opening. We were talking about this bridge over the river Kwai, right? The opening, right? You're on the buzzards. You drop down. You open in Land of the Dead, which your book will be coming out soon. People can learn more about that. You know, you see all the graves and everything. Same thing. Matt shot at the end. How do we go? We go back through the canopy. You see the buzzards. You go up in the air. It's like it, there's a reason why a guy... By the way, David Lean's a good filmmaker. If you don't know David, <laughs> so it's kind of like saying, like, I don't know, a Michael Jordan type of character of filmmaking. Just understand that there's a reason why he's doing that. Yeah. And, it, and it's worth at least investigating of like, what is he doing? Why is he doing that? For what purpose? Why does he do that so often? Why mm -hmm. do stories seem to do that? Right? Because, um, yeah. you know, maybe there's something there that you could use. Here's the thing about stories. And I don't think I'm wrong about this. You can get a degree in playwriting. You can study it, you can get a degree in it. You can get a degree in screenwriting. You can get a degree in medieval English literature. You can get a degree in um, creative writing or journalism. Um, you can also- Even mythology, right? Mythology, like you mean, yeah. uh, folk, you can become a folk folklorist right? You can learn all about that. Um, all those things. The one thing that binds them all, the one thing that unifies them all is story. And it's the one thing I don't think you can get a degree in. I don't think you can study story anywhere. So what that means is it leaves it in the realm of the mystical. And people are like, you can't know it. It's unknown. It's this, you know, it becomes this thing where it's like, who are you to say there are rules? Because you can't learn about it anywhere. So, so it leaves it in this weird space so that um, people don't really have a lot of methodology around creating stories or what makes them work. So they think, well, you just try stuff. Like I was writing recently for a company. Can't talk about it. But they, they just thought you tried stuff. Just throw stuff out there and see what sticks. And you just keep trying stuff. And there was like, there's no way to know. Like it's some mystical thing. You can't know. It's unknown. But it's not true. It's not unknown. 
Nobody teaches it. I think they don't teach it because stories are so natural to human beings. It's almost overlooked. We are impressed with ourselves. We are so impressed with our own inventions. We invented literature, not storytelling. So we'll study literature and we'll put it above storytelling. We even talk about the oral tradition, like, well, they couldn't write things down. So they had the oral tradition as if writing things down is necessarily an improvement. Mm -hmm. It isn't necessarily. It allows you to pass things on after somebody's gone or, you know, that kind of thing. But there's nothing better than a person in front of you telling you the best story you've ever heard. And there's a human component that gets lost. I think of the written word. I mean, it, it's a useful tool, but I think of it often as frozen food. That you're not getting it fresh off the vine. It's frozen and it tastes a lot like a tomato. It's something like, like when people have like milk, like right from the cow, which I've never had, they go, that's milk. You've never had a glass of milk before if you haven't had that, right? Or um, I had a, a salad once made out of a person's garden, like everything, they grew everything. And it was like, this is an amazing salad, right? I think getting stories from people is like that. And getting, getting uh, a story that's written down, it may be great, but it's still, it's packaged, it's processed, it's frozen or whatever. Um, and you're getting a version of it, but you're not getting it in, entirely. But because stories are so natural to us, we skip it. We skip that step and go right to uh, how we formalized it. So you can study playwriting, but not story. You know, I knew, okay. a woman, I knew a woman who had a degree in playwriting who wanted to learn story from me because it never came up when she was studying <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I, I was a uh, my my minor was in theater and you're we never talked. We studied Shakespeare. We studied, you know, I was writing papers on, you know, Rogers and Hart and stuff like that. We never talked about structure. Yeah. OK, I want to go back to something you just said about the frozen food thing, because keep in mind, go back to everything you need to learn. You can learn everything about story, story, structure, storytelling over coffee, because that's the natural form. Right. Yeah. Like imagine you're sitting there with, let's say a person, right? How does it actually normally happen? I don't know. Maybe you're talking to like a kid and they're like, how are you doing? It's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm worried. I got to start school and I'm nervous about going to school. What do you naturally do next? What do, what do you naturally, what do people naturally do next? They usually say something like, yeah, that can be scary. But you know, did I ever tell you about my first day at school? They're like, no. So I remember when I was a kid and it was our first day of school. It was a new school because I traveled a lot because my dad was in the military, right? And we were just in this new city and I didn't know anybody. And I was like super nervous, just like you. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Also, it has to be circular. Right. Because right? it's not about you. You're telling the story because you're sitting in front of an actual human being around a campfire or your coffee or dinner table or whatever as a tribe. And you can see something. There's a hole in their heart or something and you going, I have this thing to give you. It's called a story. And then maybe they go, okay, well, I feel a little bit less nervous about heading off to school. It has to be circular because how could it not be? Because it was said with the intent of some sort of a response or some sort of reaction in the same way that if I, if you said I have a headache and I give you Advil, I gave that to you hoping that 
you will move from having a headache to not having a headache, right? Right. This is the thing that people forget about story because it's become about money or it's become about fame or it's become about notoriety, whatever it is, awards or some other thing. That a story is a gift. Yep. And if you think of it that way, oh, I'm giving someone a gift. Well, that changes how you approach your job. Right. If you're doing it for attention, you make different choices. If you're doing it yep. for money, you make different choices. But if you think of it as a gift, then you are in service. That's another way to be in service to the, the, your audience and in service to the story. You're not trying to put your stuff on top of it. You're trying. It's a pure. It's more. It's a more pure way of thinking about it. I think it's the original form. Yes, it is. It's the original form. Literally, when we talk about when you're talking about imparting survival information or survival strategies, the same right? If like it's like, what are you trying to do? You're literally trying to help them go to school with more confidence, or or blah blah blah, or realize that your heart might break, but you know it doesn't mean that like whatever the whatever's going on. It's a gift. I mean, when you said that earlier about that salad where you're like, hey, man, you know, it was a great salad. It's like them going out to their garden and picking that stuff and serving it to you. I would be like, well, you know, don't waste your good salad. Like, right. you know, I mean, just spend I don't know how long it takes to grow a salad. I can't imagine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I would feel like, whoa, you know, seriously, save this for, you know, someone else. If they did that salad, you would be like, this is really special. Thank you for doing this. You put all this work into it. You were thinking about the other person, whatever, right? A good story feels like that. Like when somebody tells you a good story, um, uh, one of the nations here um, in Washington, uh, we're going to get to, we're going to get to uh, interview um, the tribal storyteller and she's in her eighties. Right. And like when she tells stories, it, feels like she's giving you a gift right right it doesn't feel like oh you guys like action figures i i, I can tell you a story that just sell you some action figures it feels like everybody goes you get quiet right even kids kids are all running around wait till a good story happens oh all of a sudden they're like oh i told you when i take the kids to a bad movie they're standing up i know they're like canaries in a coal mine <laughs> 10 minutes in if, if like you know they're looking around or whatever a good story they don't move yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, but that's what happens. And if somebody's telling you and giving you a story, well, just when you need it, it's like magic. It's when Spielberg says, the more he learns about film, the more he's convinced it's magic. That's what I think he's talking. It's like, it moves out of this, like, Oh, there's 24 frames and there's light and there's blah, blah. blah. And it moves into a thing. this like magical thing that changes us. Mm -hmm. That's when we get back to that original form of actually giving someone a gift. Yeah, that's but I, I'm just trying to say is like when we could connect the logic, it starts a person is stuck here, right? In some form or another man falls in a hole, whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. Great. And then by the time we get done, if we do our job in some way, if there's been movement, right, we always have to come back to the beginning. Did that story make sense? Yeah, you're right. I should go to school and I should give it a chance. Great. We have to come back. We have to check back in with the person we just told the story to. Right. Well, it's a way to measure progress. Yeah, right. Sure. Right? That makes sense. Right. It's like it's like marking a kid's height on the wall at one age. Right. And then like, oh, when you were five, it was down here. Now that you're seven, it's up here. Right. You come back to the same wall. Right. So that it's only. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You and I, we were geeking out the other night. We were watching uh, that that scene. We we're showing that scene from Judgment at Nuremberg, Judgment which Nuremberg, is. Yeah. Get out of here. 
I mean, you were like, watch it. And I was like, yeah, okay. And you're like, no, have you watched it yet? And I was like, no. I finally watched it and I was like, oh my God. I think I started texting you when I, I was like halfway through the movie. It's like, what is going on with this? How have I not seen this? And we were watching that scene. And, you know, this even happens inside of a scene. Yep. Right? Where it's like a character comes in, they sit down, they cut back to the same medium shot of the character at the end. Guess what? Everything's changed. Yeah. Everything's changed. You come yeah. back. A lot of times they go back to like a matching shot, right? But it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. The character has changed. The room has changed. Yeah. Because of what just happened. Yeah. There's if they haven't seen it, everybody should see it. Judgment it's Nuremberg. For, yeah. It's. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, forget about it. Yeah. Forget about it. It's the kind of writing you don't see anymore. People don't understand that because if they don't watch anything old, they don't have their barometer is off. Man. You know, I'll tell like, oh, you what. Old. It's like, well, okay, but it's great, but okay. You know, the, when, I, when I was watching, I was watching with Kate and I had to pause it because I was like, I can't believe what I just saw. And I had to run it back. Mm -hmm. I never want to do that. I was just so blown away at the craft and at the level that these people were running at Judy Garland. I mean, everybody, Tracy, like it's like everyone was running at such a high level. Yeah. I was like, I can't really understand what I'm looking at because I'd gone so long without seeing something done at that level. Yeah. I mean, you'll see for anybody who has seen it, or if you haven't seen it, when the guy in the middle of the movie, when he takes the picture out of his mother, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Right. But that's the same thing. That movie, watch what happens. Watch how they introduce Tracy when he first gets there and watch how the film ends. Mm -hmm. It's circular. You know, it's like, there's a reason for it. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, everything's different. Mm -hmm. Everything is different. Yeah. By the time we come back to that house at the end. Yeah. It's just, uh, it works. It always works. It works. You know? It's like a clock. Yeah. And there's probably a reason that clocks are circular too. Right. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, whoop, here we yeah. are again. Yeah. How you feel. You come all the way back around. So yeah, circles are, are powerful things. Hoops, you know, Tribal people might say hoops. Hoops is a good mm. way to think of it. Um, That's interesting. But they, they, there's a spiritual component to hoops. Uh, you dance around a fire, right? Yep. You sit you around, around a fire. fire, like right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And tell stories around the fire, <laughs> right? Yeah. That at their best are circular. It is. Which would have been the time to do it tribally, right? Like, it's like, listen, when's the one time we can't be thinking about getting food? Well, it's nighttime. <laughs> right. Right. The rest of the time we're out there trying to, we got to find food. Don't become food. Make little versions of yourself. Right. So that would happen. Let's impart survival information around the campfire. Cause this is our chance before, you know, I don't know. We're after a mastodon. That's a really hard time to like, let's stop and tell a story. Right. That'll get you ready for this. It, it's just funny. Like once you start seeing those patterns, you're like, okay, cool. Well, why not borrow from the original form? Why not understand the original form? It will only make your work better because you're tapping into something ancient that's already baked into you as as a human being. Yeah. I, I you know, we, we've talked about this before, but I can never quite understand what the big deal is with not going back far without with people going, well, that's old. Um, I don't think people understand that's cultural, that that's not a real thing. That's a cultural thing that if you, if you live in Europe, the idea that everything is better because it's new doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense if you live next to the Colosseum. It doesn't make sense if you have um, 
a tradition of making wine and you go, the best wine is the wine that, you know, has, is made the way we've always made it. Right. It's tradition. We've, you know, or, um, or, or our sculptor that like, I, I met a sculptor from Italy whose family goes back generations as sculptors in Italy. Um, you know, and they're always looking at the ancient um, as a guide. And we are always looking at the new. Um, and I think that if you want to be innovative, if you want to do new things, it always helps to look backward. Backward is the way you do that. Looking back is the way you do that. Uh, it's what the 40th anniversary this year, this month of Raiders of the Lost Ark coming out. Uh, I know a lot of younger people don't understand what that movie was because they've grown up with all of the influences or the things influenced by it, right? So it doesn't, it's not new and shiny in that way that it was when I saw it, when it came out. But it was very new to people my age. Um, we, we, our minds were blown because we weren't aware of, I mean, kind of aware, but we weren't uh, George Lucas or Steven Spielberg's age. So they grew up watching these old serials, but we didn't. So they created something absolutely new to us by looking backward. Um, that's true of Star Wars itself, right? He wanted Flash yep. Gordon, wanted to do Flash Gordon, uh, which was an old science fiction thing. Um, and he couldn't get the rights to it, but he made a Flash Gordon type thing, which was Star Wars. Right. He made something new by looking back. And I'm always amazed at how people won't look back. They think there's nothing back there. And that's a new thing in the world. I don't think that's ever existed before that people didn't look backward. Um, you can look two directions at once. Right. You can look backward and forward. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, you don't have to exclude the old to do something new. Um, and uh, but I do think it's a new thing and and possibly a dangerous thing that we don't look back. Uh, we were talking about that one thing where they were they were asking, you know, high school students how Hitler died. And he said in a movie theater, right. it's like, well, if that's not a good thing for us. Right. Right. That's not a good thing. Collectively, we have to remember the Holocaust. Right. right. We have to remember slavery. We have to remember things like the Spanish flu that becomes very handy later on. Right. Right. You know, we have to remember the Great Depression, not yeah. only how it happened but how they got through it. Right. And it's yeah. the storyteller's job to make sure that there's integrity in that. Yeah. I mean, um, we were just talking about the war before we started filming. Right. And how, you know, like the integrity that he takes when he makes his documentaries. Oh, we were talking about, yeah. Ken Burns' right? documentary, the war. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's like, but that, and same thing. It's like, yeah, but that's a gift. What he gave people was a gift. He's like, I'm going to take all of this and I'm going to crystallize it in a way that you can actually, you don't have to go through everything I did, but know this, there's still integrity here. With, with the way he approached his work. It's really amazing. I understand that it's difficult for people and they don't, they're like, ah, it's black and white or it's just old, it looks old and all those things. But you, if, you, if you work your way through that and get past it, you will see amazing things. Um, and you will be blown away. And wait, like when you watch Judgment at Nuremberg, you're, you're like, oh, people don't even write at that level. No, it's crazy. They can't. That movie is crazy. Yeah. It is so well constructed. And once you can see how well constructed it is, how he'll go from these really somber scenes and then he'll jump straight into a party. Watch the rhythms that they create in that movie. 
it is next level. That's when somebody is like completely in control of what they're doing. Yeah. And there's, and you, if you, you can learn from that and you can use it and you can make something new. It doesn't have to look like the old thing. Oh yeah, sure. And I don't think people understand that. I mean, people talk about Hitchcock and talk about how great he is, but do they study him? No, not really. Yeah. His superficial stuff, they'll go, it's a shot like Hitchcock's. It's a, it's a, it's a movie that's kind of like rear window, you know, or whatever, but they don't ever take the methodology. They don't. Yeah. Ever... Why? He was solving a problem. Do you know why he solved the problem that way? Do you even know what the problem was he was trying to solve? I mean, the best ideas are usually solutions to problems. How am I going to do that? Like I had a friend who was doing storyboards on um, uh, the first Jurassic Park sequel. Which one is that? Is it Jurassic World? No, Lost World. Yeah, I don't know. Lost yeah, World. Yeah, I don't know. So he was doing storyboards on Lost World. And uh, one day we were talking, he goes, Steven Spielberg is really smart. I'm like, yeah, I know that. He goes, no, no. Because he had been doing the storyboards and Steven Spielberg would look at the boards and he would say, okay, you know this scene, this shot here where you have the dinosaurs? He says, this is going to be much more effective if we do this all in silhouette here. And it'll save us money and it'll be faster and it will be more effective. And he's like, he was right. Every time you made a note like that, he was always right. And what's interesting about that to me is, uh, first of all, he had his own history to look back on and know that that was going to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So he's like, well, no, I just know that's going to work better. But he was solving a problem. How do we make this cheaper? How do we do it faster? How do we make it more effective? Right. Yep. You may look at it and go, that's a really cool thing that it's all in silhouette. But he was solving a problem. That's right. And then you go, oh, Hitchcock used silhouette. So did John Ford. You start to connect the dots and you're like, Spielberg was just paying attention. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he has enough reverence for those masters to not just go, oh, that was cool, but to go, I have to understand why they did that. Right. And then all of a sudden he's sitting there in the storyboard process and he can solve problems faster and better than anyone else. And you're like, hey, you know, it's amazing. It's yeah. It's really something. Spielberg talking about, um, uh, uh, the movie, um, uh, best years of our lives. Mm -hmm. And there's yeah. a shot in there. Cause this guy, you know, this is, takes place. It's about these guys coming back from world war two and trying to adjust to life at home after the war. It's a, it's a special movie. Best years of our yeah. Life. No kidding. And, um, and at the time it, it blew people's minds, but it's, it's a very special movie. It's not a regular movie. And it's it's good, and but it's it's off the charts. But there's a shot um, in, in the cockpit of this plane when this guy sort of goes to um, uh, this plane graveyard, and uh, he goes there and he climbs inside the cockpit because he used to be, you know, on a plane in the war. And anyway, there's this this move in. You did this close up, this shot, and Spielberg talks about it. And he says, "I know he built the whole the director talking about the director." built the whole movie around that shot. He, he was building to that shot. A craft person thinks like that. An amateur yeah. person goes, that's a cool shot. Yeah. And then they right. use it 10 times. Right. They use it 10 times. In the same movie and it doesn't <laughs> yeah. even matter. It's like exclamation points on every text. Like, yeah. Right, right. But what they don't know is what makes that shot work is everything that came before. Yeah. That's what makes it work. And if you know structure, you understand that. If you don't, you, you isolate the thing you respond to or that you think you're responding to without understanding that it's not the punchline that made you laugh. It's all the setup that made you laugh. 
The punchline is just the conclusion. Yeah. But without the setup, you get no punchline. For me, I kind of I go like, okay, so understand the thing behind the thing. When we talk about the concept that stories are circular, understand why, right? And it will only allow you to use it in, in a uh, more strategic way, right? Also, just as a general note, go as deep as you can. Like if you f- see something you think is working, figure out why that works. If yeah. you go to dinner with someone, and you're like, this is sauce is really good. Try to figure out why that works. Right. If you can get behind the thing in front of you, right? Why does that cut work? Why does that scene work? Why does that shot work? Whatever. And you can get to like the overall construction of it. That's when you can start figuring out how to use it yourself in your own work. Yeah. Right. You're le- it's like crawling inside of someone's mind versus just seeing it's like, it's the difference between going like, that's a pretty painting and understanding what Van Gogh was thinking about and his process that allowed him to externalize it like that. Right. right. When you start getting into that stuff, things start getting really interesting. Thanks for watching. You're a storyteller, part of the CoLoop Podcast Network. If you have any questions, or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover, leave a comment below or email us at hello at beliefagency.com. 